Hey, yo, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 360, I'm going to try, y'all. I'm going to try to help you out when it comes to technology. I've invited the go-to coach for parents in this area, Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. I want us to be shoulder to shoulder as early and often as possible when it comes to technology, anything connected to the internet. I want them to know from a very young age, Heather, that technology is a we activity and not a me activity. There's a big difference between those two. Whether you're a parent of young kids or teens, the topic of technology can be super intimidating, overwhelming, and feel like a game of whack-a-mole. Things changing all the time and not knowing where to put our energy and feeling super defeated. And then when our kids encounter something we don't want, we can feel guilt and shame. And so I wanted to help you out connecting you with Chris McKenna. He's a dad of four. He gets the challenges. He also is the founder of Protect Young Eyes. And what their team does is help parents. They come along parents to create digital safe spaces. We know our kids are going to be interacting with technology. How do we make them as safe as possible, knowing that we cannot bubble wrap them, (laughs) that the world is, you know, still the world. And So he's going to give us tips on best routers, how to add the filters to the devices your kids have, how to use different software options, and then mainly how to be a coach instead of a controller when it comes to technology with your kids. It's a fantastic conversation. I have links in the show notes to anything we mention, also to five other episodes we've done on the topic. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Chris, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hi, Heather. This is going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Oh, okay. So this topic (laughs) of creating digital safe spaces can be a bit overwhelming. I will tell you in past episodes, we've gunned the gamut of uh, fear and just avoidance. And I would love, like the reason I invited you on is I feel like you hold the tension of being in the world, but not of the world and not walking in fear. So thank you for guiding us today. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, For all the amazing moms that are going to be listening, watching, being a part of this. Yes. As I was telling Heather, kind of leading up to this, um, I want to flip that fear to confidence. I want to fear that uh, flip that uncertainty to a bit more certainty. And I think we can do that. I think there are really some very tangible things starting from a very young age that I want you to be speaking into your children in the digital age. And those things all revolve around what we've discovered over the years, Heather, is there are certain families who do certain things persistently and consistently. And when they do those things, they tend to have young people who learn how to use technology well in a way that honors God, that honors themselves, that honors others. And that's what we've observed. So we're about 1,400 presentations into this experiment called Protect Young Eyes. I never intended this to happen. I'm a CPA. I'm supposed to be doing debits and credits right now, right? But, oh my gosh, I love that that's part of your story, that you're just yeah. following God's lead in this space he has you. That's awesome. Yeah, he called me, I mean, get this, he called me out of business consulting for 12 years into the local church to do junior high ministry, right? Talk about, a, talk about flipping the script there. So I did that full-time. Um, for about six or seven years, but that was during the rise of portable internet. It was from 2009 and 2016. And so now my precious sixth, seventh and eighth graders are starting to carry the internet with them. I mean, imagine a time where that was weird. That's what I lived through as a youth pastor and parents started asking questions. So Protect Young Eyes simply came out of my sort of innate desire to fix problems, to solve issues. That's the consultant in me. So I saw this issue of awesome parents and not so awesome technologies and kids sort of being dropped in the middle of that simply due to an analog parental mindset. That's what we grew up with. I'm a Gen Xer, right? That's what I knew. That's what they knew. So I just started doing research and that led to a website that led to a team that led to presentations. And now coming out of COVID, thank God we can go back into places and do talks. And I was just telling you, I was out in California, just love being with parents to do that, to flip that 
script, especially coming out of a time where we were so inundated with technology, right? Our littles all the way up through our, you know, teenagers, so inundated with technology. And let's be honest, more connected than ever, yet now feeling more lonely than ever as a result of that connection, because that which happens in real life almost is never enhanced by it happening in its digital form. And real relationships were a part of that. So I think it's an awesome time to re-engage with our kids and put some of these practices of digital trust so that our littles learn certain things about technology and the way that we feel about it before the issues get big so that when the issues get more you know, impactful and, and harder, you know, more in the phase that maybe I'm in right now with tweens and teens that we've built that foundation underneath them. But that starts way back when in preschool. So that's that's sort of who we are. They can visit us on our website. We built an app during COVID to get it into the pockets of parents, sort of all this information. And we just love equipping, standing in that gap between technologies that do not care about the safety and protection of our children and all of the awesome families that you speak to. So Well, I love, they know I love connecting and we're not going to be able to cover all the things today, y'all, but Chris is your person. Okay. He's your person. And like you said, I'm hopeful. There's a lot of moms and dads who listen, who have kids in the early elementary preschool age to help give them a mindset that's not fear-based, a mindset to how to approach technology because it's not going away. Right. And eventually, whenever you decide to hand them a smartphone, dumb phone, any kind of iPad, all of these things, yeah, you have to have a, a perspective. And I, I love that how y'all view it. So could you kind of help us? How do we approach technology when it comes to parenting? Yeah. So if any of your followers would, uh, I'd be honored if you would follow us on social media, even though I'm not a big fan of it because of what it does to us. I'm going to use it to get the message out and to glorify God as long as I can here, but follow us there. And we talk a lot about something called the digital trust framework. And there's a elementary school version of building digital trust. There's a middle school version of building digital trust, and there's a high school version. So I want to press into that elementary school version for just a minute. And Heather, it's comprised of five words and phrases. It starts with copy me, then co-play, then curiosity, conversation, and then coaching. So they all start with C, right? Copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation, coaching. It is, right? It's got it. It'll preach. That's it'll preach. Okay. It'll preach, right? So (laughs) and that starts with copy me for a reason. That phrase is first for a reason. That's because our example matters. Would we want our young people using their technology exactly like we do, where we use it, how we use it, what we use it for? When you look at all the screen time studies that are out there, whether it's from pediatric societies here nationally or internationally from the World Health Organization, they all say three things in common, okay? Number one, they say zero sedentary screen time between ages zero and two, no digital pacifiers. Let's burn in a heap all the bouncy seats that had iPad like holders on them, no. Now, I'm not in the business of shaming amazing mamas either. So let me say something to you for just a minute, mamas who have littles. If the only way for you to get a shower is to shove the iPad in front of them and push play on Bob the Builder, then amen, push play. Or have your quiet time or whatever. What? Yes. And if it's your like fifth kid, you're the age of what? Your older one. Exactly. So the whole rules go off when you have like five kids. Yeah. So all I'm saying is no digital pacifiers. Okay. So that's, that's the point that one. Number two is that less is almost always better. In other words, there's nothing scientifically that says if we wait to give our kids technology, that they're going to have a bad job someday. Like we've, (laughs) we've bought the lie that they'll be behind if they don't get it. And it's simply not true. And the third thing, and this is what's so important under the copy me part of digital trust, Heather, is however the adults in their life use technology is typically the best indicator of how those young people will learn how to use technology. And so when you're with your littles, be it at the park or wherever, that face-to-face interaction is so important. There was an article that was written in the USA Today last year, and it referred to screen time, adult screen time, parent screen time, as the next secondhand smoke. Mm. 
And I thought that was a really kind of a gut punch, but effective way to go. Yeah. Because when I'm constantly interrupting that face-to-face interaction, I'm actually robbing, especially kids ages zero to five of rich developmental opportunities to read faces and to see smiles and to understand how to interact with other human beings in a face-to-face capacity. To me, that's later on, that's a huge indicator of whether or not a child is ready for social media. I'll walk up to a 13 or 14 year old and I'll stick my hand out and say, Hey, I'm Mr. Chris. Nice to meet you. And if that young person doesn't know how to stick a hand out and shake my hand and kind of look me in the eye, then I would say, I don't think that that young person is ready for digital media yet, because if they haven't mastered the face-to-face, then I don't want to create a relational template that's based on screen to screen, right? So these are the sorts of things that I think we can begin very early. Other things under copy me are if I'm with my kids, it's not that you can't ever check your phone or you can't ever pick up a call or you can't ever respond to a text message. But what I might do if with them, I would say, hey, this this call is really important. I'm going to take it and I'll be done. And then I'm right back to you. Right. In other words, you're announcing your intentions or, hey, I want to respond to this text message real quick. I'm going to get it done. And then I'm right back to you. It lets them know that there are good uses of technology. It also lets them know that they're the most important thing and you'll get right back to them. But third, it actually holds us accountable to getting back to them. So these are all, I think, really subtle things that really start to display a modeling that is healthy for our young people under copy me. So that's an elementary school version of that. Obviously that doesn't stop. I want my kids to continue to be able to copy me, not seeing dad on his phone all the time and knowing that it can be used for good, God honoring productive ways, but it starts young, very young. So that's a really important part of beginning to build that digital trust. And I'll say from the speech language pathologist viewpoint, that part of language learning is joint attention when you and your child are jointly attending to the same thing and you label it, when you talk about it, they it takes so many times of them hearing those labels on those objects for them to Got it. learn yeah. the language. And so joint attention is like a foundation of language learning. And so, I mean, I could see, I, I am really thankful that I do not, <laughs> I did not have a, a device when my kids were little because that would have been so, it's so hard now. I can't, yeah. Grace to you, moms. This is not an easy thing, especially if you are working from home and you're answering emails and you're doing all the things. One time I had like a corded handheld phone that I plugged into my digital phone <laughs> because it felt more like how my mom growing up, she always had that corded phone all through the house. She was always yeah. on the phone. It's like it gave me more permission to be on the phone if it was corded somehow. That's right. That's good. <laughs> If you want to spend less time on your device shopping for your next spring wardrobe, let me connect you with a great option. You are going to find fresh picks curated for your taste and your size on Stitch Fix. If you have never tried it out, let me connect you with it. Whether you need a date night dress, maybe an Easter outfit, cozy loungewear, Stitch Fix can help refresh your look. And you can schedule a fix And a stylist is going to send you five pieces, five different things that fit your style, your size, your price range, and no subscription is required. You just keep what you like and you return everything else. But if you like to shop, you can check their fix, Stitch Fix Freestyle. I got to practice that. Stitch Fix Freestyle. It's an online shop built just for you. So again, it's not hours of browsing on tons of different things. It's finding, it's like having your own clothing store, really. So to get started, you just take a style quiz at Stitch Fix. They learn your preferences, your favorite colors, your fits, your price ranges. You can even get brands you trust like Madewell and Sanctuary. Get the looks that are so you. Get started today. Fill out your freestyle quiz at stitchfix.com slash DMA. Take advantage of their free shipping and returns. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA to try Stitch Fix. Stitchfix.com slash DMA. Okay, what's another C? Yeah, so then we move into co-play, doing technology with them. 
right? Okay. I don't know why young kids like watching other young kids unwrap toys on YouTube. I think it's the, you know, the silliest thing, right? And a lot of the parents listening to this, I think will probably agree with me on that. But whatever they're interested in, then you are interested in too. I want us to be shoulder to shoulder as early and often as possible when it comes to technology, anything connected to the internet. I want them to know from a very young age, Heather, that technology is a we activity and not a me activity. There's a big difference between those two. That also means that under that idea of co-play is I want kids from the moment that they understand that something's connected to the internet to know that it is co-owned. Co-ownership is a principle that I want planted early and that doesn't stop. Every single internet connected device in this house, if you are a minor, is co-owned by me, right? There's no such thing as your device in this house. May we not give our kids gifts that are digital devices when they are young. Grandparents, please, if you're listening to this, or please don't allow your parents to buy grandkids digital devices. These are devices that are given to the family for the family to use, because I do not want young people believing in the fallacy of ownership, because whether you are 4, 14, or 40, one-on-one with technology, you eventually lose. Eventually you do. And the younger, it's not because they're intentionally seeking out things that cause them to lose or for the enemy to get a hold of them. It's the accidental early childhood exposures that can be so detrimental where they love dinosaurs and they look up T-Rex, but the R gets, you know, clicked for an S and now they're looking up T-Sex and now Google shows them whatever they want, right? It's those accidental exposures that can be so detrimental. So from the very beginning, everything connected to the internet is owned by mom and dad. It's your device that they get to use. And then, you know, kind of thinking ahead then, you know, what does that look like later on when they are maybe ready for that smartphone, which I'll be very clear isn't until age 15 in my house and in my opinion, not because I'm mean or bad, it's because neurologically I respect what is going on inside the adolescent brain and they simply aren't ready for it yet. But even then, after they've displayed years of digital responsibility, because we've done tech together, the conversation goes like this. Amazing daughter of mine, aren't I an incredibly benevolent, kind parent that I'm allowing you to use this iPhone here in this house? And as your loving dad, not because I don't trust you, but I'm going to be involved. Why? Because every single time you get online, it's as if a hundred million people are asking for access to your precious life. And what kind of dad would I be if I weren't involved? It's not because you might do something wrong. It's because they might do something wrong to you, right? So I think the framing of these conversations as a, I do this because I love you, not because I'm trying to catch you doing something wrong. The difference might seem subtle, but you and I both know just from parenting and, you know, what we've learned that that little pivot makes all the difference and they can sense the difference. They can can sense our fear too. when we're like, I don't want naughty people showing you pictures and so, you know, it's our, right. it's our value system on display, you know, and, and if we are coming at it from a fear of what they'll be exposed to versus a collaborative, right. you know, we want what's best for you. That's, that will show up. Even if we say the words, <laughs> you copy that's Chris's right. words. If you don't feel that, then they're going to catch on. Yeah. As a former middle school youth pastor, I can tell you, they smell fear. Yeah. They, They have little radar and they also have trust radar. They can sense whether or not you're for them or against them. They just, it's like these little antennas that God has given them to be sensitive to those things, which is great because they're also very sensitive to the very positive parts of love and affirmation and support and forgiveness too, if we shower them with that. So um, that leads then into curiosity. That's a posture of our parenting, right? If every single time we interact with our kids, young or old, when it comes to technology and it's all around yelling and consequence and negativity, right? Then what are the chances that when the issues get really bad, they're going to trust us and come to us. The enemy's going to say, you don't want to talk to him. You don't want to talk to her. They're just going to yell at you. You're just going to get in trouble. And so shame is real. Again, whether you're elementary or an adult, shame is real. And so I want them to know 
Heather, over and over again, beyond any doubt that we are safe. Like we tell them this often, we remind them no matter what they could see. And even to say them, you know, there are things you're going to see online that you're, you know, are going to give you that little funny feeling in your stomach. And these are things you can say to littles. We have lots of reels on our Instagram page that go through these kinds of conversations. If you, if you say to a kid, you know, when you get that funny feeling in your belly, you know, that's a, that's from the Holy spirit. Like God is saying, something's not quite right here. I want you to listen to that. Your feelings matter. They are your superpowers. Use them. And when you get that because of something you see online or something that happens to you, I want you to do two things. I want you to put it down and tell someone, I want you to come to me. I am safe. You will never get in trouble for coming to tell me that you saw something that made you feel kind of scared. And I want them to hear that like once a month for all of their pre and elementary school years, just over and over again, that you are safe. Right? That creates that just soft spot for them to land, a posture of curiosity, which leads into great conversations, right? The fourth part of that, talking to them about everything. That also includes talking to elementary school kids about pornography. Yes, elementary school kids need to know what the word pornography is, not just why that's bad, but why God's ideas about love and human design and intimacy and marriage and all these things are so much better and to give them a framework for that because yeah. They're going to hear it. And I want them to hear it from us long before they run into it from a source that does not care about their little precious heart or their little precious mind. So I do a whole 90 minute talk just on that word. So, <laughs> well, I, and I'll drop a little nod to episodes we've done with birds and bees on. Oh, you know, love them. Yes. Just, you know, Mary flows here from Dallas. I've known her a very long time. And then also we interviewed the author of good pictures, bad pictures. They have good, you know, there's a junior version. So there are options available to y'all. And these conversations start at your child's age of curiosity. How did that baby get in there? How's it going to come out? These are great opportunities. And if your child doesn't ask questions, Mary Flo and Megan have great conversation starters. It is not, I'll tell you, I felt more equipped because of what they taught me and that whole topic was not terrifying for me. And I right. feel like has kept conversations going with my boys. So those are all my shout outs for that. Super important conversation, super important curiosity. Love it. Yeah. And then let's get into some of the practical then Heather, and that's in the, the coaching side, right? I want us to see our job as one that's rooting for our kids. We want them to get this right, right? We want them to learn how to use technology well. It's not me versus you, it's me for you, rooting for you. You can do this, we can do this together. And so from a very young age, that coaching always looks like having certain controls in place on the devices that they're using. No child should ever have access to the unfiltered internet, never. I don't just want to create digital safe spaces for my kids. I've also been working hard to buy safer products for our home, for our family when it comes to food, beauty, cleaning supplies. And that's why I've really loved Thrive Market. And if you haven't tried them out, this is a great time because they have a deal for y'all exclusive to Don't Mom Alone listeners to get 40% off, 40 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. They're basically giving you free things for you to try it out. And what I think you're going to find, what I love, is when I go on there to shop, like I just put in an order and I can find exactly my boy's favorite, Lara bars, the peanut butter chocolate chip bars. I got 16 of them at a discount. I can't even find them at my local grocery store for the amount that I paid through Thrive Market. I got two bottles of hand soap that I know is clean and my boy's favorite, those acne invisible spot covers. I got a garbage disposal refreshener, uh, freshener, not refreshener that I can put in my garbage disposal because stinky, all the eating, all the boys. But what I really love is if I'm in a detox diet or I'm doing like a whole 30 or keto or some special thing where I'm trying to sort out what's going on in my body, I can go to Thrive Market, click the specialty diets, and they show me all the products that would fit for what I'm looking for. Lots of great options if you are in that space right now. And also you can save money with their membership program. 
and give back to others because for every membership, they give and donate a membership to a family in need. They've donated $4.5 million in healthy groceries and counting. Can your grocery store do that? Well, now it can when you go to thrivemarket.com slash DMA. Join today to get 40% off your first order. Like I said, that's amazing. And a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash DMA. Get 40% off your first order and a free gift over $50. Thrivemarket.com slash DMA. This episode is brought to you by Crossway and Kevin DeYoung's new book, The Biggest Story Bible Storybook. The Bible is a big book about a great God. And from beginning to end, each page tells us about the God who created the world, acted in history, and continues to act in the present. Beginning in Genesis and ending with Revelation, DeYoung retells the unified story of Scripture through 104 easy-to-read Bible stories each reading is coupled with beautiful illustrations by award-winning artist Don Clark and concludes with a reflective prayer. It is perfect for bedtime stories or to read together as a family. Both children and parents alike will experience afresh the captivating story of the Bible in an easy-to-understand, compelling way. Is there anything better than nighttime, bedtime Bible stories? Pick up a copy wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org backslash plus to find out how you can get 30% off. That's crossway.org forward slash plus to see how you can get 30% off. And I think that we just believe not my child. They would never. And it's not. And the question isn't about your child. And Really, that's not a great posture for us to hold because (laughs) I don't know. I just, I've seen too many things, but I think what you're saying, like us being analog parents, we, I don't think grasp the depth of what's available and the abilities we have to change the access. Right. Yes. So you've taken our quick online quiz that anybody has access to. If they go straight to protectyoungeyes.com, it's the very first button up at the top. There's just 10 questions to go through to sort of assess where the soft spots might be in your house. For example, every single home should have a router with parental controls. A router is the most important digital device in every single house. And yet so people, so few people think about it. It's the thing that sort of sits behind the couch, all dusty. And then when it quits working, you kick it. But and everybody else. <laughs> all the rest of the time, you totally ignore your router. And friends, if you really stop and pause, how many things in your house are connected to your Wi-Fi at any point in time? Your grill might have Wi-Fi on it, for all I know. Everything is connected. Now, I understand that there are devices that have data plans, like a iPad could have data or other tablets or your iPhone, right? But the Chromebook, the gaming systems, the smart TV, which is really just a big smartphone attached to your wall these days, right? Your Nest, your Ring, your Google Home, all these things are connected to the internet. So we need to stop the junk at the source. And- okay, I get that question a lot though. Like what router do we pick? Cause we've tried the circle one and it actually disrupted my ability to do this job yep. because it would slow down our internet so much. What option, I know you guys have a great resource page, but could you just share on here what you recommend? Yeah, uh, a blog post that I wrote back in November, which has actually become one of our more popular posts, maybe it could be linked with this episode, Heather, is called The Ultimate Guide to Understanding Routers. Oh, perfect. And it walks through a decision tree because different homes have different needs or different equipment because maybe you were given a router by your internet service provider and you have to use it, or maybe you have a router and a modem as one. And maybe you're going, I don't even know the difference. What is a modem? Is that a router? And so we answer kind of all of those questions from a very practical perspective. I want to remind everyone listening to this, I'm not a tech guy. You heard my (laughs) professional path. I'm a CPA. I'm a, I'm a bilingual CPA who traveled the world, who the Lord called me into full-time ministry, who then is now working um, not only at Protect Young Eyes, but I do digital marketing for Covenant Eyes, right? The anti-pornography software company. So I'm just a guy on a mission 
who wants to take all of these complicated, uh, and I think the enemy presses into that a little bit. Oh, you can never understand. Oh, they're not, you know, you're too old for that. And I'm just like, no, we can do very practical things. So friends, I'm coming at this from where you are. I was there and we want to bridge that gap between, you know, confusion and, oh, I can do that. Yes, you can do that. Any one of you could set up the Griffin router, which is what we recommend. It's on my shelf back here. It's what I use in my house. It has parental controls. I have an app here. When I was, I could be anywhere. You know, when I was in California this weekend, I could shut off the smart TV in our living room from the Griffin app on my phone from California, right? So I want that kind of discrete control to stop the junk at the source because all of us are responsible for everything that happens on our Wi-Fi. Think about the relatives or friends or others who come and use your home network. You're responsible for everything that happens on that network. So it's sort of a belt and suspenders approach to making sure your home has that protection in place. And for everybody you know that's listening to this, you can actually get them cheaper through me than you can through Amazon. So because we're great friends, I have followed them. I don't try, I don't offer anything that I haven't used on my own guinea pig kids first. And, you know, I talked to their leadership. I actually, I was in, when I, when I was in California this past weekend, I was with Griffin leadership. Like I met with them because they're based out in San Diego. Um, And so I offer products that I love, have used because if it's good enough for my kids, my four kids, then I would hope, you know, it'd be good enough for many of the listeners here too. So That's my heart on that. And the most, especially for youngers, if you've got little kids, the router is by far the most important digital device that you can have in place in your home. And then for us who have the kids who are over 15 in your suggestion, or some people at, you know, 13 might be their age. They have the device that has the data. What tools do they have to not give unlimited access to the internet? Yeah, so um, age doesn't matter when it comes to the router, right? Every home, because whatever is good, you want to get back to the beginning of the digital trust framework, which is copy me. I would say whatever filter is good for them is good for us, right? What a great modeling. I want my kids to know that I use Covenant Eye software on my phone, mm-hmm. either that two pastors receive a report of my accountability. I want my kids to know that what's good for them is good for me, that even dad needs help using the internet well. There are things dad doesn't need to see. And I think that speaks volumes to our kids. So when they get a little bit older, whether it's an iPhone or a Android device, they both have factory free parental controls, right? Android uses family link. It's a little complicated. I swear nobody at Google has children, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> uh, and then an iPhone, there's screen time, which are the native controls on it. You can control the amount of time they're online, what apps they have access to, you know, limited adult content, which has actually gotten a ton better. Apple's native filtering that comes on the phone, if you simply enable it in the content privacy restrictions is now extremely effective. Hmm. It is really good. And this is free. And I'm of the opinion, this will sound really strange coming from the internet safety guy. Our goal as they get older should be to use as few parental controls as possible. I want to wean them away from pure, a purely control mindset. And I want to get to a point where you're weaning them off of some things and moving more towards things that encourage accountability and transparency like coveted eyes, right? So you move from a posture, the younger they are, the more you control. It's an inverse relationship. The older they are, the less you control, but the more you monitor just to alert when you're heading down a bad path, but not stopping everything, right? We've got to teach them. So there's a path here that I think is is really important. Other software that can work other than the native or coveted eyes, Bark is one that I'm sure many of your listeners have yeah, heard tell of. Tell me which, about Bark. I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it does. Yeah, Bark, um, they have an algorithm. There, there's like two uh, kind of postures of Bark. They have a, a control sort of uh, filtering side, right? Bark Jr. But they also have like the original Bark, which they were founded on is an algorithm that actually identifies keyword phrases and will alert parents to when certain words and phrases are used, like kill myself or suicide or gun or gambling or whatever you've tuned it to listen for, listen for. 
And then it allows parents to then be uninvolved until Bark identifies something. And then when it does, it alerts parents, kind of like a dog barks, right? It alerts parents to trouble so they can lovingly, conversationally get involved. That's is it scanning premise. just texts, emails, or is it like, I know Snapchat feels impossible to monitor. Yeah. So on iPhones, it monitors a few social media accounts. Okay. It monitors text and also, you know, email and a few other places. But I'm going to break your listeners' hearts for just a minute because I know many of them probably use iPhones. There is no software on earth that monitors Snapchat or Instagram on an iPhone. I don't care what their marketing says, they're lying. I've tested all of them. None of them penetrate that encrypted wall, which is those apps. Now on Android, it's a little bit different because software like Bark and also Covenant Eyes, Covenant Eyes is actually tapped into the screen and therefore is scanning for explicit content that appears on the screen which right in Snapchat could be a nude photo or other things, but none of that access is available on iPhones, which is where 88% of teens spend time, you know, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm on iPhone too. I get it. My daughter has, my 17 year old daughter has an iPhone too. So, you know, that's where I've just conceded, you know, as a kid where I have seven or eight years of digital trust built up, I'm willing to concede some of that in an iPhone with some limited monitoring because I have all these other indicators in place. But those are just, you know, the decisions that parents have to weigh in looking at all of the options. So we often, I mean, I get messages all week long, Heather. So if parents have questions about these sorts of, here's my kid, here's my devices, here are my digital goals, what do we get? We answer those questions all week long because it is complicated. And there are so many solutions that then you're overwhelmed by choice, which means you're paralyzed and you do nothing. (laughs) I get it. So, and what, I mean, you've done, you've read research and, you know, I know there's no formula for any of this. We want someone to tell us what to do. Oftentimes we go the way of whatever our kids' friends are doing. So then we're all like this pack of parents, just (laughs) all following the pack. But like, what have you seen to be just really wise guidelines again, not out of fear, but just these quote unquote, tech rules make sense. And if you're going to present technology to your kids and devices, this is a great way to start and have these rules in place. Well, I think, I mean, for those who want to go back and listen, I mean, I think through the digital trust framework, you're going to get those, right? You're going to get those sort of foundational elements of what to say at what age, what are the sorts of things that, that work for them, um, like I see, like like things like not in your bedroom or yeah. I was just gonna us, say let me yeah. yeah let me address some real um, practical things for just a minute. Um, so one of the talks that we do is what we call the five layers of digital protection because I think it takes five layers <laughs> to protect our kids online. Digital trust is just one layer, right? That's the bottom of the think of a pyramid, right, with five layers in it. Digital trust is that bottom layer of the pyramid. The next layer is the Wi-Fi layer. That's very, very important, okay? After that, we have the device layer. That's where you put software on your phone, like I just described, because things can be off network. Then we have the location layer, where kids spend time dictates how they use technologies. There are five places that are often the riskiest for kids to be online, and that's Bathrooms, bedrooms, buses, sleepovers, and grandma and grandpa's house. Those are the five riskiest places, right? And love grandparents. I want my kids to spend as much time as possible with them, but that's a soft spot. Different rules, different routines. And And unfamiliarity. It's another generation. uh, It's another generation. So listeners, if you want to, not an exciting, but a great gift to give your parents when they're spending time with your children, their grandchildren, buy them a Griffin router. Hmm. It's for the grandkids right? Set them up for success there to close up, you know, that, that soft spot. So those are the sorts of practical layers when it comes to friends, because that's often a question. In fact, I answered that question. I feel like a hundred times this past weekend when I was at a Calvary chapel, it's not uncommon for families to have different rules when it comes to technology, right? My kids are not on this, but the friend that they hang out with has access to this. I understand all of that. 
I think there are two sides to tackle this from. There's the side of equipping our kids to know what to do in that situation. Then I think there's the side of understanding more about those homes where our kids are spending time. So I'm gonna, it's gonna be on social media this week, but I'm actually gonna break this down. I want our kids to know how to respond when they're offered like a friend to show them something. I think there's a specific way for kids to respond in that situation. I want kids to know what to do when they see something they shouldn't. And I want them to know that you are safe, like those three things, boom, boom, boom. And we're going to break that down um, in a video. But on the other side of that, I remember growing up right back in the 80s, um, aged oh. myself a little bit here. Yeah, and I'm, with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And whenever I was going over to a friend's house, my mom always wanted to know, did they have Showtime Cinemax or HBO or MTV? Because that was like the worst that could happen in my childhood. And oh. she wasn't afraid to ask, you know, and I, I respect that. And as a parent now, I understand that. <laughs> I think we're too afraid to ask the right questions for 2022. I want to encourage every parent here that wherever your children are spending time, you have a right to ask a very non-judgmental but direct question about what kinds of devices exist in that house. It's not because you're judging them. It's because you care deeply for the heart and mind of your son or daughter. And it only takes one exposure to life-altering content to change the direction of childhood. And I'm not willing to take that risk. So you have a right, moms and dads, to ask questions about, do they have a router with filters on it? Are there any iPads that don't have a filter on them? If so, then I am not going to let my child spend time there. It's not because you're a bad parent. It's because it's a bad internet. And I'm not willing to put my children in harm's way. So that is the 2022 version of the Showtime Cinemax HBO MTV question. Because if you think about it, think of how little you actually saw in those environments. It was a scene. It was a glimpse. It wasn't all night constantly streaming pornography on an iPad, click after click, like which is possible today, which I've had parents come to me and say has happened at a sleepover. And then God forbid that what can happen out of that, because when kids see porn, they often want to practice porn, and then they are in cycles of sexual abuse. I mean, these are not made up stories. No. I'm not willing to take that chance today. And so I just think we have a right to say to the enemy, I'm not going to be afraid, pray for the right window to say it, and then ask a loving question about what exists in those homes. So that's another, I think, practical side to it that we have a right to do. I think that's really important. Before we close up our time, one question I have for you is, let's say we have done all of these things and we have all of this in place and we have our guidelines and a child goes against that. And I know you talked about co-ownership and conversation and being a safe place. Walk through the parent who has discovered their child has seen something or has gone against their wishes and downloaded an app, figured out. I mean, these kids are smarter than us sometimes. Okay. They get, yeah. <laughs> they somehow, they figure out the screen time password. They, you know, they get past all of our protection, which is the point. You're not going to bubble wrap the world. You're not going to keep your kid from everything. So talk us through that before we have to go. Yeah. I think that looks different for different ages. If you were to download, so if you go to the App Store, be it the Google Play or the Apple App Store and search Protect Young Eyes, you'll find the Protect app. And in there, there's free content. There's paid content, but there's free content. And there's a whole emergency section. Mm. And it walks through ages, you know, elementary, middle, and high school. Like if there's been an exposure to pornography or an issue with predators or sexting or a mental health crisis, those are the four categories, then we have panels of information to guide you through what to do. But just in general, right, I think, you know, depending on where you're at in that state, you know, that path of disobedience, if a kid finds a way around my parental controls, I'm first going to go, wow, good job. <laughs> I'm going to get you, you know, in a career of impressive, something. impressive. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and this is a perfect example of, you know, on Sunday, I'm going to give you a car and you're going to have a choice every single time you get behind that wheel to 
drive at 100 miles an hour or drive at 55. Like this is real. This is real, Chris. This is real. real, I have a 16 year old boy. Yes, this is real. Yeah, and I have a 17 year old daughter, right? (laughs) Yeah. Everything that can be used for good has a way in which we can twist it and turn it. Man, I want to give you technology. I want you to figure this out. So here's what we're going to do and then lay out some consequences. I think overall, let's just not freak out. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a whole nother talk that I do on adolescent neurology because Heather, unless we understand what's going on up here, we're not going to adequately and with empathy understand why they do the things down here. Yeah. Right. Because when I see a kid who's hooked on TikTok, who finds a way to look at porn or sends something they shouldn't on Snapchat, all these things. Heather, these are lowercase g, godlike technologies crafted for adults. And we give these adult devices to children and they make decisions like children. That shouldn't surprise us. Yeah. That's on us. Yeah. Right. And so I want us to walk a mile in their shoes. I mean, imagine a world where all your worst moments are magnified, where you're targeted by marketing all the time, that porn is ubiquitous, that your self-esteem and your identity is constantly under assault, where the only thing that trends online is tragedy. Nobody cares about the good in the world. That is a difficult place to experience childhood. And then when they make certain choices online, I just think they need abundant empathy for what we've done to them. And approach it from a perspective of understanding. I'm not saying light on consequence, but you and I both know from having teens and for me being in ministry, they first need to know they're going to be okay. Yeah. They first need to know that there's nothing they could see or do online that would change the way you feel about them because good gosh, that's how Jesus treats me. <laughs> right. And so I want the grace to lead the truth, right? John 1, 1 there, right? I want the grace to come first. Not light on consequence, but they first need to know that they're going to be okay because they will make a mistake. They will. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, making those mistakes while they're home with us and we can walk through them and show them that grace. I've, I've found many mistakes in our home and (laughs) walking through them. We always grow on the other side of it. Chris, it has been such a pleasure. You are a wealth of information and content. And so I'm thrilled to connect people with your site. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Awesome. And just thank you. Thank you for being on the front lines in this, whatever this is that we're living. <laughs> I don't want to call it a battle because the battle's already been won, but it's a, it's a front no, line. There, there are sure. daily, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I know where we're heading, but yeah, you wake up and you got to put on your boots and fight another day. And I want to give parents those tools, those digital tools to do that because the enemy is battling for the hearts and minds of our kids. Yeah. And we, we got to fight back. So amen. It's like Joshua, be strong and courageous. Got it. Do not fear. Yes. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Heather. Bye-bye. Okay. If you couldn't tell, I'm just really don't want parents to feel guilt. We feel so much guilt all the time. I do want you to walk forward from this conversation with a little bit more like, I don't know, armored up, ready for battle, no longer shirking back in fear that you are capable, that you have the tools available to you to be on the front lines and do what you can to hold back the enemy's attempts to steal and destroy and rob the innocence of your kids. Are we going to do this perfectly? Heck no. Heck no. And this is why I love his approach that this is a conversation with our kids. This is a grace-based. When things happen, we just come alongside them and help them. And so I'm going to pray over this because this is our very first line of attack is through prayer. So Lord, I offer every parent, every child represented listening here today that you would fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, that we would recognize where we're feeling promptings of kind of stepping outside of that that safe space of what you want us to do with the time that you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts that desire you first, that we would choose the things that bring you glory, that we could be in these spaces, bringing the good news to unreached places, but Lord, not letting it change who we are or what we believe about ourselves. I pray, Lord, for wisdom and guidance as parents 
engage with their kids on this topic as they take what Chris shared to their homes. I pray for just an overwhelming um, confidence and uh, strength that comes from you, Lord, not from relying on a router or relying on an app, but that comes from you, that you love these kids, that you desire for their hearts to be fully um, transformed by you. And so, um, Lord, may we be part of that stewarding process to do the best that we can, knowing that ultimately you are the one who redeems and restores. Hold that balance for us, Lord. Help us to know where we're feeling a little bit of prick in our spirit, that something's off in our home, and that we would move forward, um, not out of fear, but in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Join me back here next week. Again, you know, I get random emails from people that are like, I, I want to join a podcast club. That's awesome. If you go to don'tmomalone.com, you can see it says podcast club. You sign up for emails. We connect you with a Facebook group. And every week we send out questions and you totally take over. It's very organic. Uh, then I have people who want to get the email. They want to know that the podcast is out every week. And so that you can sign up. If you go to uh, olaheather.com, you can sign up and you can get my email every Monday. Just follow me on Instagram at don'tmomalone.com. So many different ways for us to stay connected. And I hope we do because I'm just, I'm excited for what's coming up in lots of different episodes we have and really want to help support you and come alongside you. And I guess now I'm closer to being a grandma than a new mom, I realized the other day. So like your big sister (laughs) and just a soft place to land because, oh, do we need it. Thanks for joining me today. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.